When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is going on, everybody? My name is Josh. Welcome to the Barca Blog Honest Podcast. We have a lovely episode for you today. It's the international break. There is not a ton of news to talk about. So I invited on my old pal, Nathan Page. We're going to talk about just all things European soccer, probably some international stuff as well. Uh, Nathan is a brand influencer, a European soccer extraordinaire uh, in the mid-2000s. Some called him the Bill Simmons of the 2020s. Uh, that hasn't come to fruition, but nevertheless, we're going to talk about a few different things. And the really the only Barcelona news that I would say is significance uh, has to be that they're going to be allowed to have 100% capacity home games, uh, which is massive news considering that there are three home games in a row, uh, Valencia, and then we got Dynamo Kiev, and of course the Classico. It's going to be nice to have you know full capacity. Uh, it's going to be nice unless things go poorly and they start booing. Uh, that wouldn't be as nice, but uh, assuming things go somewhat well, it's going to be great to have a full crowd. Uh, the other bits of news that I would say are important are the Pedro and Sufasi deals are looking closer than ever to being wrapped up for contract extensions. Uh, specifically, the Pedro deal looks like it's going to be wrapped up this week with a release clause of, uh, let me make sure I'm reading this correctly. Uh, I think that's a billion dollars. Yeah, a billion dollar release clause till 2026. This would be great news to get to lock him down. And then Ansu Fati shortly after would be even, um, or I'm not going to compare, would be equally as interesting. Um, that's kind of all I got for quick news bits. Uh, international break is almost over. Yay. Uh, we can get back to some real football. Of course, World Cup qualifying stuff has been going on. Not a ton of significance. Uh, I guess the U.S. is kind of the only really thing I care about right now. So we're going to get into that and a lot more with Nathan Page. So if you're not subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do so. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, and we will chat again soon. All right. All righty, everybody. Welcome to the Barca Blogranas podcast. I am joined by my old pal, Nathan Page. Nathan is a, uh, a European soccer extraordinaire. Uh, some called him the future Bill Simmons of the 2020s in 2014. Uh, that hasn't quite come to fruition, but he is an online male influencer, which sounds bad, but all the products he advertises are loafers. Uh, he's currently wearing a PSG Messi kit, which you all won't see because this is audio, but I'm staring right at it while he's wearing a Barcelona hat. Uh, I'm not sure if this is for ironic purposes or uh, if he just thinks it's cute, but I'm not really sure what's happening here. 
and everybody instantly just undownloaded the podcast and stopped listening. <laughs> you introduced me as a self-proclaimed future Bill Simmons. I don't know who said that. It was probably probably me. Um, and then then as a male influencer who only advertises loafers, and then yeah, outing uh, my ironic, completely satirical um, outfit here, just like really just killing me right off the bat. It's a tough one to come back from, man. I have an uphill battle ahead. The good news is it's the international break, so I'm expecting like you know one third of the usual audience on this one because. Uh, there's not really much to talk about. Uh, in Barcelona land, it's usually just horrible. The only good news that's happening this week is uh, we're re-signing on Sufati and Pedri, apparently. Mm. Uh, we're also allowed to have 100% capacity at home matches now so that they can uh, be fully booed by the home crowd when they inevitably lose in the next few matches uh, in the Classico and in the Champions League, which is just great for everybody because, you know, a real full, a full-throated booing is much more appreciated than kind of the the halfway booze that we've been getting at home games so far. I'm really excited because Pep um, has been, you know, pleading through the media for uh, Man City fans to really, you know, be present and really give a full throated cheer for the whole crowd. I can't wait for Cumin to get on and just be like, you guys actually, you know, like if we could just stay home, <laughs> you don't have to really be here because I'm sure he's like not excited for uh, what that'll bring for him at the next 3-0 defeat of uh, name your middle of the table Spanish side. So it's not going to be great. If anything, he would come out and, you know, just reiterate how he's the future of the club and how they owe him everything. And uh, it's all going to be good from that point on. Um, give me your uh, TLDR thoughts of the Saudi takeover of Newcastle United. I found it hilarious because uh, I was tasked by my editor uh, who writes a Newcastle United transfer rumor piece yesterday, which I think is the... It, <laughs> Is the fr- which which was how I was made aware because I don't really get on Twitter all that much and so I didn't really know that this had happened uh, and then I saw wait Newcastle United are interested in a Barcelona player something's up here and then I googled them and found found it out that way so uh, are you expecting them to come in and just you know repurchase uh, I don't know Phil Foden or something from Manchester City like are are you worried with Newcastle United money now. Are you- were you surprised when it wasn't uh, Braithwaite? Whenever you you saw that, that it was that <laughs> that was not the player they were interested in. It's like, am, hey, no, they actually they're, they're coming for Fafi. What is this? Um, uh, I am a full I am a Braithwaite supporter, so I I'm not worried. I think he's Barcelona's hidden treasure, and mm. uh, I'm not worried about him. I I am worried about him going to West very Ham or hidden. something. Yes, he's yeah. Hidden. Bottom of the cereal box uh, decoder ring, that one. Yeah, no, I, I'm um, I'm intrigued because I think now we finally got the answer to who wins the Erling Holland uh, race. You know, we've been reading every report of, <laughs> of every team in Europe that finishes top four in their league uh, being interested in him. So now we know who's actually going to swoop in and do it last minute. It's uh, Newcastle. Who knew? Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see. I mean, we can't have enough uh, sovereign wealth in the game. So let's go ahead and and bring them all in. If we could just have everybody be purchased by uh, the the last, the next oligarch or the last oil um, fiend to kind of take over and, and, and buy a team. Let's just have that. Let's just have that happen. I did find it kind of funny. Uh, I think there was a report that Ed Woodward was reportedly pretty mad about the entire situation, which I found hilarious because uh, Manchester United getting on their soapbox about uh, finances and all of that after they just signed Cristiano Ronaldo uh, is, is, would would be pretty ironic to me. Uh, I guess he doesn't want anyone else purchasing uh, past their prime, still in their prime superstars. Um, 
Which tough, reminds tough me, to be on your, tough to be on a moral high horse after the Ronaldo purchase, but you know. We, we were, we were going to talk about Ronaldo later, but I want to talk about it now because one of my favorite moments of the last month or so was the morning that it switched. I guess it was afternoon in Europe, but it was the morning here in the States on the East Coast when it switched from City to United. And I was lucky enough to be able to break the news to you over a phone call. You are, of course, a, a City fan, uh, despite the messy kit and Barcelona hat. Uh, and so, given City's current uh, situation regarding their striking and how poor they are in the box, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo would have been the perfect player for them to place up top after Harry Kane didn't happen. Uh, are you still as disappointed today uh, as you were on that day that uh, your beloved uh, Pep Guardiola-led Manchester City did not get Cristiano Ronaldo? A couple of things I have to say in there. She just said a lot of information. Number one, we have to clarify that the, at least the Barcelona had is Barcelona. Sorry, Barcelona. I know I'm on the, the podcast. The Barcelona had is a vintage hat. So it is not it, like I just went cool. out and got it's very cool. It's a vintage. Okay. So that, you know, that's one thing. Um, but yeah, Man City fan became a fan in like 2010. I, I, I was trying to find a team to follow. They just got Carlos Tevez. I was like, this is, this seems like it's right. Um, then I, you know, realized I'd bought into, uh, you know, it, this again, going back to the sovereign wealth thing, and here we are. So, um, that he Ronaldo really would have been like the perfect piece because we we are the tapas restaurant that has no really good entrees. I mean, like the best tapas you can buy all over the place. I mean, we love this restaurant. It, it's one of the best in the world. But there's no steak. There's no entree that's going to absolutely blow your mind. And Ronaldo would have been that. Granted, we all would have been taking that. It would kind of like you know, with our tongue in our cheek kind of thing, you know, like, what are we, what are we doing with Ronaldo on a Manchester city team after his history of being at Manchester United, being a red through and through, it really um, would have been weird. It really would have been awkward, but I was actually all into it just in terms of fit and need for, for city. The problem for the last couple of years, given that Aguero was out so much last season was just needing somebody in front of goal who can knock in all of these beautiful passes from all over. Literally almost every player on the pitch is able to create for somebody else, but not for themselves. So I think uh, having, having somebody who could kind of be the entree at this tapas restaurant would have been great. Um, even if we would have had to hold our nose while we sprinkle blue cheese all over it, you know, so it, it's tough, but um, ultimately I think that, Manchester United is going to remain like the Burger King of the world where they're living off reputation and kind of filling people up on fatty foods without any real direction of what's next. They still have the resources to market, but what are you really marketing? Even if you have, you know, the, the like uh, veggie burger or whatever they, the plant-based burger and Mason Greenwood to carry you the rest of the way, they don't have a plan for how to use that. So I just think that the, when we're talking about those two teams, it would have been nice to have some overlap and some of the talent there to really create an, a mega team. But I still feel better about City's chances than United, even with Ronaldo being on the other side of Manchester. Um, so the Manchester City were the second team that was kind of... Actually, I don't even know if they were second. They were right there with PSG for like, where was Messi going to go uh, once the Barcelona stuff happened? Uh, City pretty quickly it became apparent that it was going to be there. Uh, but they were still kind of second in line. Uh, would you have been happy to have another tiny little uh, attacking menace with uh, no end in sight on the team, or would he have just <laughs> would he have just been more of the same problem of like, oh great, we have a guy who's five nine leading the charge up top? 
I mean, the, the Pep and Messi rumors have just like never stopped. I think that they also were happening even when he was at Bayern. Like there's, there was always just because of the way he used Messi and seemed to unlock the best parts of his game. And those two were just a match made in heaven for how you create an attack using that style of, of football. So I just I think that that was always going to be a rumor. I don't know how even close to true it was. I sure you anytime that Messi's on the table, it's the same way. Like I don't, I don't love watching Neymar's game, but if somebody's going to put Neymar, you know, on the table, like I'm not going to say no. Um, but ultimately, that doesn't solve the actual problem. Like if you're if you're trying to, I think ultimately, like if someone's like, do you want Harry Kane or Messi? Like I still would rather have Messi, but Kane is a more true solution to the problems that plague City. And Messi, though, I mean, if you could use him as a false nine up front in City, I, mean, I think you're going to be okay. Really? So you would have taken Messi over Kane? Short term, I think, uh, in like a two to three year span, it would be really tough not to not to be pulling for that sort of a move. It, let me put it this way. If you could give me Messi over the Grealish move, for instance, um, another attacking player that they kind of move all over the front, um, I know he doesn't fit in that exact same role, but having a player like Messi create instead of Grealish, like I, I absolutely take that, even if it's a shorter term move. Wait, okay. So you and I have talked about uh, Captain Cavs quite a bit over text message. Um, what's your frustration with him? Because for me, I still, when I watch him, I'm still obviously very impressed by him. Um, so I guess I don't really understand where this frustration is coming from. Is it because he's taking minutes away from our beloved Raz and Phil Foden? No, I mean, I, I think Roz is, uh, I like, I love Raheem Sterling's like game. I think he's also really come alive at city, but there is a lot of like Deshaun Jackson type of stuff with him from like, if we're comparing it to like an NFL player where it's just, he can take a, like the top off a of defense, but you can't really trust him with like an out route or like to catch a slant in the end zone. He's just not going to be that guy, but he can really you know, have a target audience here with a Philadelphia I know. wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. I know. Well, I mean, Hey, he's, he's in the news again, I guess the Rams, but I just think like a guy like that who's sort of limited, even though he's so talented, I think like I actually would rather have Grealish in. So I, I don't, my complaints aren't like that huge with, with Jack. I just think that sometimes you see what Foden does when he comes into the game and how much that those two overlap with how they're used both in the middle and on the left-hand side. And I would rather Foden be in there who's younger, faster, ha- is in some ways more proven um, with some of the stuff that he's done at City, I think uh, eventually those two will become interchangeable and become a really important attacking force in the middle and left-hand side of of the pitch up front for City. So I think ultimately that's the move and that's where they're going to go. And that's how this team is going to kind of, I think if at the end of the season, we're talking about those two becoming the key to what City's doing, that's how City ends up winning the league, winning the Champions League, things like that, is because those two pairing and being kind of the same thing, but different versions of it all over the, the front and left-hand side of the, of the pitch is what's going to make City go. So I think that's where I look at it and say, I don't really have a huge problem with Jack Grealish at this point. I just think it's hard when you contextualize like what this team actually needed and spending $100 million, uh, euros, pounds, whatever the number ended up being on him um, versus getting somebody like Kane in there. That's really tough. And ultimately, I don't know how much were Tottenham even going to move Kane? Like, was that even their choice? I don't know. Uh, but I think that Grealish is amazing. Maybe it's just going to take some time for him to get his place. And uh, I don't know that he filled the greatest need for City. So if uh, all those pieces do magically somehow uh, work together to bring City 
the beloved uh, Champions League title that they will appreciate for five minutes and then move on. Uh, how empty will Pep Guardiola feel after winning that title versus the ones he won at Barcelona? I mean, can we even measure that? I don't know. It's tough. Like it, it, how, how good does anybody at city feel about any of the things they're doing? We're, it, it's all a, uh, you know, it's like Amazon purchasing their latest startup that had no chance against them or Google suing the crap out of a startup who's, who's using technology similar to theirs. You know, it, do they really feel good when they close down that shop? I don't know. That's sort of how it feels. It's like anytime we beat the the wolves of the world or the Norwich cities of the world, like, can you really feel good about that? It's, it's a sovereign wealth uh, destroying a, a locally owned club. It's pretty tough, but ultimately, uh, you know, that's what football is all about. It's, it's uh, unfair. It's not great. It's unrelenting. And, um, you know, as an, as somebody who grew up a, an old Miss fan and a Knicks fan, you know, I've had a lot of trouble in my day on other sides of the sports spectrum. So I can just enjoy some winning, you know, get, get invested in that for now. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, the, uh, Leo Messi led PSG. Uh, one of the most interesting about, like, I think it was over maybe a seven day stretch, or I guess it was probably five or six. Um, when PSG played city in the champions league and Messi finally got his goal, uh, city, uh, had plenty of chances, just never could capitalize on any of them. Um, and then over the weekend, uh, PSG lost in Ligue 1, did not score a goal. Uh, and then City beat Chelsea, kind of establishing themselves as the top dog that weekend in England. Um, and then they followed up with a a nice jog at Anfield with Liverpool. Uh, what were your thoughts on PSG when City lost to them? Uh because I think it's it, it's a little bit hard, and I think in the moment we both knew this as we were talking about it, it's hard to be all that impressed by them because then you know that they were capable of what they did like literally four days later and having a crap result even with the full team out there. Uh, are you impressed by PSG? Are you scared of them? Or do you think it's just going to be a case of they're just going to have hot and cold days and as long as you don't catch them on a hot day in a, a, you know, a best of one, which isn't going to happen until the final, you should be fine. I think that they're much better built for an elimination style tournament than they are for a long season like they'll face. I mean, but in their league, they're going to have time to figure that out and figure out rotation, figure out a way to find the right pieces, a way to find motivation. They may not even need to be that motivated to win, you know, a a 2-0 game in the middle of uh, March. That's the problem is they've kind of played like, for the most part, they've looked very eh. In, in their league and they're still they they're up by six points already right that's fine that and i think that that's pretty much how it's going to be it's it's they're going to have time to figure that out in the league side of things they're terrifying in a single elimination tournament because city did dominate that match through and through they looked like the better team they looked more organized but seeing those three up front and you saw you saw glimpses in that game of the three of them working together and figuring it out and it was absolutely terrifying. If, if we're going back to the restaurant analogy, they're a restaurant that literally is just amazing desserts, but nothing really else of substance where everyone's going to want that dessert, but you're going to have times where it makes you sick, like the following weekend. Like this, the dessert was so sweet when Messi's knocking one into the corner on an amazing uh, you know, pass from Mbappe in front of goal. 
And it's just like that's that's what you want out of those front three. Very it's akin really to the, out. Uh, to Dave Chang's milk bar with the cake balls that I had when I was exactly. in New York City with you. You know, you're down in the cake balls, and before you know it, you've consumed who knows how much sugar, and you feel a little sick to your stomach. Exactly, they are a milk bar, and it's incredible. And the truffles are so good; those cake balls are so good. But what kind of what what does that leave you an hour and a half from now? And so in that match, you saw like what they could be if they can get organized in midfield and get production out of that, which they have the talent to do that. God knows they do. And the, and if the back four can just keep it together, they can really make this work and be something special. Um, I mean, and the, the men that they have playing in the goal for them, like Donnarumma and um, Navas, like between those two, they're going to be fine. So it's just kind of if they can put this together, that dessert is going to take them a long way. Um, I think they have time to do that in the league. And I don't, that's the one team that after watching this season so far, them and Chelsea stand above the rest as a team. I don't want to face in a single elimination game, just because I think between the talent and the coaching of both of those teams, like they're going to figure it out. And ultimately, if you give, if you let Neymar and Messi and Mbappe stay close in a game, they're going to make you pay for that more times than not. Again, especially in a single elimination game, when you're not looking at, we've got 10 more you know, games left in the season, we can let this one slip. We can take away one point here. I think that there's a chance that you could uh, see that happen, but in a, gosh, in a champions league match where everything is on the table right now that you would think that those guys will come through. Yeah. Uh, I can already see the, uh, the Manchester city PSG semifinal coming down to penalty kicks. And uh, you have, you have Mr. Italian stallion Donnarumma in the goal. And uh, poor little Gabriel Jesus, who came on it in the 75th minute, steps up for his penalty kick and just gets just gets smothered. And uh, and then I have to watch PSG and Chelsea in the Champions League final, which yeah. But let's talk about uh, World Cup qualifying. So I don't really pay that close of attention. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I'm basically a I'm a I'm a very fair weather uh, United States men's national team fan. Uh, I'll watch the Gold Cup semifinals and finals. I'll pay attention to what's happening in World Cup qualifying. And right now what's happening is uh, they look like crap. Um, let me pull up the recent match. I think they lost. Panama. It was Panama? I believe so. You're, no, you're right. They, they play Costa Rica today at 7 p.m. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's a big deal because Costa Rica is two points behind them. But right now the standings in the, uh, I can't remember what Men in Blazers used to call CONCACAF, but... The, uh, the World Cup qualifiers is Mexico's in first, three points above the U.S. The U.S. is tied with Panama uh, in second and third place with eight points. And then one point back is Canada and two points back is Costa Rica in fifth place. Um, the top three, I believe, in CONCACAF automatically qualify. And then the fourth team goes to a playoff. Uh, the good news for Team USA is that there are still plenty of matches for them to figure this out. Uh, they still have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Eight, nine. They still have nine matches in the World Cup qualifiers to figure things out. The bad news is they still have nine matches in the World Cup qualifiers to finish worse than they stand right now. And there's the potential for another disastrous uh, result, considering how close they are uh, to to the middle of the pack. Uh, We could be happy with the fact that they took care of business against Jamaica, although it wasn't easy. Same thing with Honduras. Uh, I personally... I don't feel good about this. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on this other than it's going to suck if they don't make it. And that's kind of it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's really hard because we, it's very apparent to everybody that the United States team is on its way 
to well right now we have the most the the most talent that we've had in terms of proving it on a global stage at clubs that matter like it's very clear that there is talent there and but the problem is they're all very young and they're showing flashes of this talent but maybe not enough to be proven talent that some that anybody would want in their first team on a global stage because if you I, somebody I forget what podcast I was listening to but they did the exercise of like what in the first who in the first team 11 for United States would even be in the top 20 are you on know, the in the whole squad for a Portugal side you know like if you play that game you start to realize that even though the United States has the most talent they've had maybe ever in terms of future talent and in terms of players who are proving it on a global stage of clubs of matter they're still so far behind these other global superpowers and the team that succeeded for the united states right now we're almost i guess over 10 years ago or about 10 years ago um that team was full of veterans who had proven it um maybe not at the same level at the same ceiling that these players look like they can but a lot of these guys are like 18 19 20 21 23 years old and so there's still a long way to go. I think we're one World Cup cycle away from seeing this talent actually prove it. And I think we're a, a one Greg Burkhalter, Burkhalter uh, away from um, proving it as well. So not that he's been the major problem. I just think that there's so much hype. People are so hungry for this. And we've seen these players show flashes of talent. And it's obvious why. Like you go, go down the list and you can see like this guy's doing it at Dortmund. This guy's doing it. You know, it's just you see that the, the talent there is obvious. But I just think we're a World Cup cycle away from that mattering. And until you have unless you have a coach that elevates all of that, you're going to get results like we've gotten so far, which is disappointing. Um, I don't think it's end of the world stuff, though. So let's just go through some of the ages of the Team USA guys. So Pulisic right now is 23. In five years, like you you talked about World Cup cycles, 2026, which is the most near and dear to our hearts because we might actually mm. be able to attend some of those matches uh, while they are held in North America, already being in the U.S. Uh, Dest, Barcelona's lovely player, 20 years old, so he'll be 25. Uh, McKinney is how old is he? He's 23, so he'll be the same as Pulisic. Yeah. yeah, he'll be 28. Uh, and then I... St- I'll have hope for DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, he'll he'll be 33, so he won't be on the team anymore by then. Um, okay, I don't have anything else to talk about. I just want to get your thoughts. So, final four of the Champions League. Uh, let's just go ahead and throw PSG in there. Let's. Go. I I don't know what the next three look like. I I don't see three English teams making it to the semifinals. So, if you have to pick two English teams out of, I'm assuming. I'm, United in there between Liverpool, Chelsea, and City, who are the two teams who you right now see making it to the semifinals of the Champions League? I think City and Chelsea for me are the no-brainers. Um, Liverpool it shows moments of looking as good as those two, but I think uh, like what we have the the League of is it, what is it called the African um, Cup of- that League of Nations Nations Cup? Yeah, I don't know. That's not, but the, but I mean, two of their most important players are going to Mane and. Salah are going to be at that. So, I mean, I, I just, I think if those two are going to miss any time, I don't know for sure, I guess, if they're going to, but if they are, um, they're going to miss a significant amount of time for that, for Liverpool in a really tight race in the league. Um, what if that, what if the additional football creates problems for them, creates chemistry issues? I think what we could see is that Liverpool falls away both in the league and in champions league uh, or falls aside for that. I think so. Anyways, I think Chelsea and, and Manchester city just, by kind of 
elimination of Liverpool, not as much of talent separation are the two that make it to the, to the final there. I think that city have a lot of, I think Chelsea are in full form at this point. I think what they are could beat anybody in the world right now. I think city could grow into the level that PSG and Chelsea are at right now, which I do think is a one, a one B difference between them and city. Um, so I think city does have another level to go here. Uh, and I think those will be the three that make it. And then I can see, you could see some combination of Bayern, Real Madrid, um, making it into that other spot. Cool. All right. Well, Nathan, thank you for joining us. Uh, international break special. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, spare the audience from any college football talk. We'll save that for another time. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you joining us. Absolutely, man. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me.